trigger warning, this podcast contains discussions around mental health, self-harm and suicide. If you're worried about your mental health or worried for somebody else, then please call the Samaritans number on 116 123 for free. Hello and welcome to the Loneliness Collaboration Podcast. With me, Natalie Byrne. And me, Venus Libido. We are both illustrators who make work around social issues. We both have had our own journeys and battles with mental health. And today we are talking about school, our experience and how we got through it. With more than 8 out of 10 teachers saying that mental health among pupils in England has deteriorated in the past two years, we thought that as a starting point, this was a really good subject to start on. We've both gone away and done a little bit of homework, uh, researched on the topic about school and mental health. What have you found out, Natalie Byrne? I have discovered anorexia is most commonly diagnosed at age 13. Wow, okay. At age 14, one in four are Mm self-harming. I read this Guardian article that I'll link in the show notes that one in four adults will experience a mental health mental illness at some point each year in the UK and this ranges from anxiety and depression to alcohol dependence, substance misuse and psychosis. Mm -hmm. 75% of mental illnesses start before a child reaches their 18th birthday while 50% of mental health problems in adult life excluding dementia take root before the age of 15. Uh, 75% of young people with a mental health problem are not receiving treatment. Uh, Less than 30% of mental health research is focused on young people. Less than 30%. That's such a small amount, isn't it? Mm. In this article by The Telegraph, written by Henry Bodkin, uh, written in November 2018, he said that out of 338,000 children referred to child adolescent mental health services, only 31% of those received the treatment within the year. Wow. And uh, 32% are still on waiting lists by the end of the year, mm-hmm. and 37% were not accepted into treatment or discharged after an, an assessment. You know, we, we both said... Um... You know, we we went away and did our research on some facts and we both noted them down and shared them with each other. And when we said that when we put it all down onto, onto paper, it was really distressing for both of us to to actually see it physically, like how how much of an issue this is. Yeah. One of my, my facts were that the NHS in England is trying to shorten waiting times and increase access to mental health care for children. The Care Quality Commission found last year that some under-18s in England were waiting 18 months to get help. Wow. 18 months. It's really, it's really sad. I mean, I, I remember when I first started doing Venus Libido and one of my drawings was... Um, I did a drawing about a girl receiving a doctor's letter saying that you will receive help in 18 months and then the girl in the drawing says, well, I might be dead by then. Yeah, and you're usually at like a crisis point. 
when you reach yeah. out for help anyway yeah yeah I mean I remember for me like it was it was really hard to to ask for help to start with and then knowing that it wasn't like instantly there when I was at my worst was really really difficult yeah because it's um, so it's it's like the hardest thing is to reach out and that's like a, a common a common theme with, with a lot of people I've spoken to and it takes so like yes. you are really at like crisis point and yeah it's so sad to see the people that need the help aren't accessing it yeah or getting um, it yeah exactly but I did see somewhere that the government is um hopefully by 2023 that mm. there will the waiting times will be down to four weeks for children so hopefully you know that does come into action that's good I mean four weeks are still for some not soon enough yeah and and when I found that bit at the end that I said that was um like people get discharged mm-hmm. um like after an assessment just made me immediately think like well I was never when I got counseling at school I wasn't honest at all and so yeah of course people are gonna be like saying they're fine (laughs) your mental health can be embarrassing yeah yeah um it was for me I didn't talk about it from the age of like I think 12 until I was 26 because I was embarrassed yeah to talk about it so you know it that obviously people are not going to talk about it to a complete stranger and then when they're assessed for it be sent on their way yeah totally because it's one it's a complete it's two different things one to like put your hand up and say can someone help me and it's another thing to to actually have like the words to describe what you what you're feeling Mm -hmm. and yeah my thing that I found was more than half of young people feel embarrassed about mental illness do you think that was because you didn't see anyone you know getting help or anyone in the media talking about like mental health issues yeah I think when I was growing up and I'm not sure it's the same for you nobody was really talking about mental health yeah um it wasn't spoke about at school it wasn't spoke about at college didn't talk about it at uni um, the first time I actually went to like counselling was like my third year of uni and my, I said to my friend that I really don't feel okay and she was like you should go see the counsellor here at the uni I was like I didn't even know there was a counsellor I didn't even know that there was that kind of support here so yeah I think I didn't talk about it because nobody else was um, so I'm, I'm sure that's the same same with you yeah I was really embarrassed about it I think like um I, I got counselling when I was at school, so I, I did know that when I went to uni yeah. I could, like, ask and um, that there, w- there would be someone there. But there was nothing about, like, my, like, introduction to university, like a pack or anything. Like, it was... No, yeah, like, just a leaflet even. Yeah. Um, to say, you know, that this is available at your university or at your college... I'd quite like to talk about your fact on 
um, what you said about at age 14, one in four self-harming. Mm. Views on that, and was that something that you affected you? Oh, yeah. And, like, I'm one of those four. <laughs> um, yeah. At- I mean, I, I obviously, I know you, yeah. but... And I know that you did, but for our listeners, do you want to explain? Yeah, um, so, I mean, I, I first started to kind of experience what I now know is depression at maybe like 11, 12 um, kind of age. And then uh, kind of didn't really know what it was. I, I felt like I was just going mad. Um, I didn't know that it was depression. I just felt like just sad all the time. And like, I remember the like, the only way I can describe it is like a Dementor from Harry Potter. Like I could feel all of the (laughs) like happiness leave me um, at like one point in science class. And then it kind of just started from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then like battled uh like self-harming and had an eating disorder most of my teens and it's like 10 years <laughs> so it was kind of when I stopped one the other one will get worse it was kind of um quite difficult and um yeah yeah I think uh I was a big emo kid so it was quite accepted um in like kind of emo circles um and I remember there being news articles about like self-harm and and there's also this kind of like um it it be, being associated to young kids i think is is seen as kind of di- quite disregarded and seen mm. as something that i mean it, it felt like it was a thing like these young kids do and i don't think it was taken like very seriously um yeah. and i think that's definitely quite common when it comes to considering school kids and their feelings and how they feel um I I very much felt like um me and other people who struggled um weren't really all kind of overlooked I guess um yeah and there's that aspect I think even just now as as I've grown older and I've become like um supported other friends who self-harm I think they still feel like um there's this this issue of I thought this was a phase that I would grow out of as a kid because self-harming is mm. just so associated with um teens um yeah um I thought it was really interesting and this is what made me think of it was um your recent drawings that you're doing at the moment about when you were younger and you would hide in the toilets mm um and then you'd get sent to the principal office and get told off because um you were hiding because you were not feeling okay yeah um and then punished and I thought that there's this new thing at the moment um where in Baltimore in the in the US there's um a school that says that there's a new program they put into place which is sending children to do meditation oh, instead wow. of punishment that's so cool um and it's like reduced behavior problems it's helped um like children work better and I just think that that is something that needs to be like implemented across the board because you know a lot of these children don't act out for no reason there's you know there's obviously a reason behind why they're doing what they do 
and um yeah. you know it's just a chance to like feel like they can have a the opportunity like to talk um yeah but I thought that was it made me think of that when I saw your drawings yeah it's amazing to see the the response from that and how I really felt like my school experience was um like not having a good school experience was quite like a I guess not common but yeah seeing everyone's comments on 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 those images is really it's really sad but then also quite assuring whether my 15 year old self is like you know wasn't alone I guess yeah I mean for me like I kind of felt the same I was like very I was quite naughty at school um because I couldn't sit still and I couldn't concentrate and I didn't want to be there because I obviously had like mental health issues that I didn't understand so I didn't want to listen I didn't think anything else was important and instead of like someone actually ever sitting me down and saying I don't ever remember any teacher sitting me down and saying are you okay is there anything you want to talk about it was you you go to detention and take we'll take an hour out of your lunch break or an hour out of after school like I don't ever remember there being that kind of support yeah and also maybe because I don't know if you feel this too being quite artistic it's quite hard if you're you know you don't learn and I struggled because I can't learn if someone just stands up and talks and so you're you spend more time at school than you spend even at home with your family yeah and not one time did any teacher like ask me if I was okay um yeah it was very clear with my especially with my artwork that I was really unhappy <laughs> yeah and so it's just it shocks me that they're you know meant to like they have so much time with us yeah and I think because you're seen as young and silly and dumb or whatever you can be it's almost like you're not humanized. I felt like that. I felt like I wasn't yeah. seen with um like a human being that has human being feelings. Yeah. It's just I think I don't know about you but over at my school it what there was a lot of overcrowding. Right. Um so I don't think the like individual care was there. Yeah. Um which was a massive issue like our classes were massive and very like full of a very diverse children with like lots of different like needs mm. and it was very easy to just be like unnoticed I guess um and I guess back in like the time when we were at school the lack of resources and the lack of like education the teachers had around mental health probably was like non-existent yeah um but I you know that is changing and they're like there are charities like Heads Together that are putting more resources and helping like put more education into schools for teachers so they can become more aware and find like the triggers in children. Mm. Um, but that just wasn't there when, when I was younger. Yeah, me neither. And even like the, re- the resources going back to the parents as well because my parents didn't, when I came out, them and said like I'm struggling like they didn't understand it they didn't understand what mental health was Mm. so I think it's not just it's not just educating the teachers it's educating like parents when the children go the children go home to like notice notice things about their own children as well 
Yeah, um, and like giving kids the resources to look after themselves. And like everyone complains about school not really giving people the actual skills that you need in life, like learning your how to do your taxes or yeah. learning how to you know acknowledge uh, an abusive but a partner or like consent. Yeah. And I think that mental health is one of those issues that kids just need to know. Like if you feel like this how do you deal with that because even if you don't feel bad or have you know a tough time with your mental health at school at some point in your life you're going to be met with some kind of challenge which is going to hit you um because people die and people get divorced and like no even someone who is completely you know in my quotes like fine whatever um human like life is tough like to everyone yeah at some point yeah but I think like I don't know if any of the listeners know about our hashtag that we started but we we started a me and Natalie started a hashtag on Instagram where people can draw the Samaritans helpline in like their own style and post it on social media um you know we started that because we are, well we both have quite young followers that follow us and I think it's important to provide children with um resources on like where to go where to find help yeah. so yeah if you haven't checked it out it's the hashtag the loneliness collaboration you should check it out get involved yeah um we've loved seeing their responses they've been really cool yeah. every time we see anyone we both get so excited don't we yeah it's really lovely and the people that are doing it things they're writing alongside their their work is really lovely to see as well yeah um Natalie what I want to ask you like what helped you when you were going through school with your like dealing with your mental health like what was the thing that got you through it um I think like I mentioned before I did get counseling um yeah kind of didn't want it uh someone had uh that I still don't know mystery mystery person someone reported my self-harm to the school nurse and I got counselling um, kind of thrust upon me. I didn't want it, basically. <laughs> and um, I think that may- it didn't last a full year, but I think it was a majority of a year. And I think mm. even though I wasn't very honest because I was very um, underage and very... Basically, if you are engaging in, like, dangerous behaviour, uh, you're counsellor um, legally has to tell like your parents or teachers and so when I would go in I um do you do you agree with that by the way oh no you think that's a good thing no because I went in terrified because I had heard about girls who had told their counsellor that they smoked weed or like had sex and then they Mm. told their parents and um there was a couple of people that like not in my school but in um other schools that had killed themselselves over it because they were yeah. so terrified of their parents so yeah. um yeah. and yeah i wasn't i was very pg um yeah and that meant that uh, i wasn't honest and in therapy that's not the best way to go about it if you want to get better so uh yeah it didn't really help me in terms of like talking about the actual issues i had but i think just having a space for me to walk in and say I'm not okay was Mm. huge um it was like 
me taking my mental health seriously, me... And what age was this? Sorry, what age did you get counselling at school? I It was at 14, 15. Okay. Um, and it was me also, um, like, I think just admitting to myself that that there was something. Yeah. Because when you don't tell anyone, it, it's... It, it doesn't make it real, I guess. It kind of made it real. Um, I had met, like, a really good friend. Um, a shout-out to Karina, who um, <laughs> I, like, opened up with for the first time. And, and I, that really helped as well. And it was just kind of... There was never this one moment. There were, like, tiny little things. I remember I couldn't go to prom because I couldn't get into a dress without it being very obvious. Um, so that was a moment that I was like oh like what other huge life events am I going to have to miss because of this thing that I have Um, I'm sorry you didn't go Um, but yeah there was like little moments that like of things I learned things I realized when I went even on on prom I was like wow okay so what do I want do I want to get married do I want to have a graduation and that was the first time I considered like my future um because right, I had okay. always been so like didn't want one I guess um yeah yeah so yeah there was there was it was never like a I woke up one day and had this huge aha moment there were lots of little things um um and then I think what really helped was um, you know, I made a few mistakes that that really I found it really difficult to deal with because I wasn't I was so mentally ill that I couldn't handle it well. And I think like between like fourteen to sixteen, my life was like an absolute mess. Um, and then I'm I moved, which is not like the easiest thing to do. Basically, my no. we moved like from one town to the next. It, I wasn't my decision to make, but I. I that was a huge improvement to my mental health just like starting fresh and yeah I guess at that age when your parents say you're moving away from all your friends it's like the end of the world but in hindsight it probably is really helpful to have like a fresh start yeah I was so happy about it I was so over the moon about it and I had some great friends and I had some um like I feel like my school was great in supporting me with where I wanted to go in my career but um when you make mistakes at a really young age especially as a young girl they stick with you and so mm-hmm. when I was in sixth form and um like people would still judge me for things that I had done at 14 and that was um yeah. like a lot of slut shaming and stuff so um when I moved it was like just the best thing I was like fuck this I'm so happy that I can just like start afresh because you know like you get judged so harshly by being a young girl and like yeah, you do definitely I couldn't say anything because I had like made those mistakes so um but they're not they're not mistakes Natalie <laughs> just you need don't don't tell yourself they're mistakes yeah but I I like because... cheated on some people so that's why I okay. like they were mistakes <laughs> like yeah yeah but everything you do you, everything you do in your life leads you to where you are now and who you are so I don't like I always believe that we shouldn't look back and regret anything no matter like 
obviously if you kill someone then yeah you're a bad person but <laughs> do you know what I mean there's like things that we all do because we're human and this is like the thing that I like consistently try and work through in therapy and I just can't so right but like right. I'm working on it I know I am and like I know loads of people have been like you need to like stop stop uh like <laughs> judging yourself um but uh, yeah, that's just to be like frank about where I am. That's like one thing I find <laughs> really hard to work on is like it's forgiving yourself. Yeah. yeah. You're young and you're just trying to like make your way. Honor on a mission to give the world a shake one tampon at a time. They create 100% organic biodegradable tampons bespoke to the individual and delivered straight to your door. And they also make CBD oil. We have partnered up with ON to give our listeners a free box of tampons. Choose your tampon type, absorbency, range and quantity when you sign up via their website. Just head over to www.on.co and use the code TLC at checkout. ON was born out of a passion for women's health and so every month when you subscribe to ON, they donate 5% of revenue to the girls' programme run by the school club in Zambia. ON tampons are the only tampons I use, not only because their branding and packaging is beautiful, but because I don't get cramps when I use ON tampons, which goes to show what kind of effect these chemicals can have on our body. Grab yourself a free box now, and you'll be so excited for your next period. That's O-H-N-E dot CO and enter TLC at checkout for your free box. Like especially in terms of like water helped me. It's very, it's very, it's a lot darker, <laughs> which I guess in a way, it didn't help me, but it it helped me like survive it, like helped me get through it. So I don't remember that being a counsellor at my school, um, or it ever being made aware to me that it was available. My school was quite like it was a lot of bullying it wasn't I wouldn't say it was a great school and I couldn't wait to get out of that place and even now at the age of 27 I still have terrible nightmares about school like just generally going to school and just the way the teachers treated us I just hated every moment of it and um so yeah because I didn't have any like kind of form of release for my mental health or anybody talked about it I turned to alcohol at quite a young age Mm. so like when you say like you hiding in the toilets and all these sort of things like I was doing all of that but I was and I really hope my mom doesn't listen to this I was drinking like at school in the toilets and just to like try and dampen my emotions and numb everything so yeah I mean and I you know I even up until like now use alcohol as a way to like cope um but that's I think also like I had like a disability growing up so like I've got like a really bad 
problem with the discs in my back. Hi. Um, so I was in a pain a lot of the time. Um, and then being told that I have to sit for eight hours at a chair mm. was really hard for me. And like, none of the teachers ever believed me when I said to them, like, I was in pain. And it used to really get on my nerves because I thought that I was lying just to go home. Um, mm. And yeah, and my like, I wasn't, I haven't, I like, my diagnosis wasn't made until like I was in my early 20s. So I went like through my whole like teenage years not really knowing what was wrong with my back and why I was in so much pain. And then that obviously affected my mental health, which I didn't, wasn't aware of until again my late 20s. When I was just like, oh shit, yeah, maybe that's why my mental health started, was because I was in so much pain all the time. I didn't understand why I was in so much pain. So, um, and I wasn't given any, like, medicine to cope with the pain. Um, so I just turned to alcohol, like, at a very young age. I'd say, like, the age of 13, I, like, started drinking. Um, so, yeah, that's something I, I'm, again, that's the thing I'm probably trying to work through, like, all the time is, like, alcohol... And, yeah, alcohol abuse, so. Did you go to the doctors with your pain and... and... My dad has, like, my dad has, um, like, a degenerative... I can never say this word, degenerative disc disease. So, like, he doesn't have any discs in his back. um, And they kept... I, like, went to the hospital, like, every couple of months. And they're like, oh, we, we... I don't think it's hereditary. We don't think you've got what your dad has. And then... Eventually, I got an MRI scan, and they were like, "Oh, it's the same thing, um, but there's nothing we can do for you because you're so young, and hopefully, your body will just grow out of it." That's all I kept being told right up until I was like twenty. They were like, "Oh, it's fine. You're still growing. Um, it will go away." That's literally all I kept being told, and I think that was because of like the lack of research um, mm. around the disease I have. Um, and then it wasn't until, like, last... It's actually... So I'm 27. It was last year that I actually found a solution for my pain. <laughs> so it took from the age of, like... I think my back pain started when I was, like, eight years old mm. up until 27 to find, like, something that m- can help manage it. Um, but, yeah, that was very frustrating for me growing up as just being told your pain will eventually go and it was getting worse and worse and worse and worse and for someone to keep telling me you're going to be okay it's going to go away eventually and it was like very frustrating because I felt like no one believed me. They should have given you like the options. Yeah there was never any options there was never there wasn't anything I was like just being tested and tested for so many different things all the time and always coming out like negative and I think I just kept being like piled off quite a lot of the time and like jumped from doctor to doctor because the last one didn't know what was wrong and then neither did the next one. (laughs) So yeah, that was, that wasn't fun growing up dealing with that. Did you uh, open up to anyone and talk about this to like any, how you were feeling at school to any of your like friends or circle? Um, I wasn't I didn't really bond well with girls at school I was I was a bit of a tomboy um and trying to talk to boys about your feelings was just a big no-no at that age (laughs) um but yeah I struggled to be friends with girls um but I did have one friend who was really lovely called Jade and I just remember um 
one evening when her mum was out, we, like, had something to drink. It must have been about 14, maybe, 15, and we were, like, just in her bedroom. And I'm, I'll, I'll always remember this. I'll take it to my grave. But we were, like, laying together on the bed, like, sipping our vodka. And I said to her, Do you, can I tell you something? And she's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, please don't tell anybody this, but I can hear voices in my head and she was just like oh my god so can I like I have never told anyone this but I really feel upset all the time and I hear voices telling me to do really horrible things and Mm. I don't know what to do about it and you know we spoke about it like all night and then we just never brought it up again um we never did anything about it because we didn't know what to do about it but that was the that was the only time I think I ever opened up up until you know, I woke up in a hospital bed because I tried to take my own life and then obviously had to, like, sort the issue out. Do you... Did you... Was it easy for you to, when you woke up in the hospital, to, like, talk about it? No. I didn't talk about it for, like, another year until I tried to do it again. Did people not try... Like, I imagine people must have... Oh, yeah, people tried, yeah. People tried to talk to me and, um... Obviously, I had some, like, help after I was, um after I came out of hospital but I just couldn't I couldn't talk about it I physically couldn't um I was too scared or I it was like I had like a I had something jammed in my throat I physically couldn't say the words no I have I had that feeling so much do and I think that that's to do with I just don't communicate well with words no I don't which we shouldn't say because we're now doing a podcast and it's going pretty well so far. No, but I think we, we've gotten to a point now because we've, like, I don't know, like, yeah. broken the seal with communication by, like, <laughs> by, like, communicating with pictures. It's kind of like, oh, well, now we've both come to a place of confidence with yeah our, our thoughts, yeah. I guess. But yeah, I, can, I remember I used to set up coffee dates with, like, my friends with the intention of I'm going to talk about me being really mentally not okay. And I would get yeah. there and just freeze and this frog in my throat yeah. and I just couldn't yeah. say the I words. Yeah, it probably happens to a lot of people. So I, it's so interesting how we're both kind of visual artists. some surveys out on our instagrams to ask people how they managed with their mental health through school and for me a lot of the responses was um like listening to music or art or meditation or drama or some form of like creativity yeah came up like all the time um and it just goes to show like there should be more of that in school as well, like a form of like release, like a, a different way to communicate other than it being like verbal when it comes to mental health. I think so important. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the release is so important. I think that's what so much of my like self-harm was, was like just it is a coping mechanism. Same with yeah. like eating disorders. Like for me, it was go to therapy, take out this coping mechanism and then like what do I do I need to replace it with something good and it took me a while to find to even understand that that like if I feel low 
I can draw something and that's a healthy way of dealing with it yeah exactly exactly I definitely recommend to anybody listening to just find that one thing yeah that you can use to help you like manage through it yeah um and I think it's different for everyone like I know people that loved sport or um and loved like outdoorsy stuff yeah or music or playing music or you know um Mm -hmm. it's it's about definitely if you're a kid and you're struggling try and experiment with just find something that's that's yours um yeah if you're not able to access kind of any help yeah definitely Sometimes it's just about like figuring out for yourself what helps you instead of seeking for answers from others. That's what yeah. that's what it was for me, especially. It was like, you know, I can ask for help and I can go to therapy and but at the end of the day it's like what what makes me happy? Like what is the one thing that I know I can do to to cope through the day, basically. Yeah. After university, I went through kind of a really low uh, depression and um, never really drew much before then. And I started drawing after and I was terrible. Like my stuff on my Instagram is still up. Like I was so bad. Um, And I just, it was my coping mechanism. So, you know, you don't have to be exceptionally talented for that to be your coping mechanism. Like No, of course. Yeah. Yeah. it's a good point to make. You don't have to be good at something for it to be your thing. Be your coping mechanism. Yeah, definitely. So the podcast is a collaborative project and in the spirit of that we wanted to ask you guys on our social medias some questions um that are gonna be in relation to the, the subject of the podcast. And so we both put out on our Instagrams what helped you get through school. So we're gonna talk about some of the things that people said I had friends and family and pets which pets is a really good one because I have a dog and I've always had dogs but when I moved out of my family home I my mental health was really bad and as soon as I got a dog I noticed such an improvement people say this I need an animal (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think pets is a really I mean if you can have one whether it's like I mean, I ended up having, like, four animals when I moved out of my parents' house because I just needed to surround myself and pets. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's a really, like, key one, which is especially for children, obviously, because there's, like, therapy dogs um, that you can apply for. Um, you know, I think that's amazing that that's available. I know there's, like, obviously, again, waiting times and cues to go on, but that's a really good one. And then meditation... I think I had a lot of people say um, nothing helped, just the fact that I knew it was going to end eventually. Wow. Um, which I kind of like, I kind of felt that way as well. Like I, I just kept telling myself like every year as it passed, one more year to go, then it's going to be over. And just knowing it wouldn't be forever, like school wasn't going to be forever was like, I just couldn't wait to be an adult. Yeah, my mum used to say that. She was like... She was like, "It's it will be over quicker than you know it. Like, just look yeah. at that finish line, and yeah, and you will be away from like." Because my my issues was there was a lot of 
bullying and racism at my school that we right. dealt with so it was kind of like what can your mum say when it's like racism you know <laughs> like yeah um so that was something that she was like just keep your head down work hard and and you'll finish yeah yeah I think you don't realize especially as a young child how much time flies yeah but- <laughs> and then you get to like 27 you're like oh god I'm gonna be 30 in three years and I know. it does go by but- really quickly but that's like the the hardest thing when you're like terrified of going into school the next day and like you yeah. can't do anything and, and you can't do anything about it yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> um okay so what responses did you have on your social media see I had a like friends family reading therapy dance music some people had counseling um yeah keeping a diary meditation oh diaries a good one yeah. I didn't get anyone say that um medication and journaling cooking um someone said not doing my homework <laughs> she <laughs> said that because I could just go home and forget about school mm. uh dancing uh one teacher who supported and defended me that was that was lovely yeah um, not giving a fuck about everything and <laughs> everyone. <laughs> um, watching Doctor Who and Glee. Uh, friends, seeing a therapist. Yeah, and then there's some people that have said like they didn't even know that they were struggling at the time. Right. Okay. So it's almost like that's interesting. There's no education, I suppose. That comes back to that. Yeah. Uh, then music keeps popping up. Um, being around my best friends and nothing else. I guess it is just finding that one thing, isn't it? Even if it is one thing, one little thing. Yeah. And also, like, um, like there's this... I mean, we can do a whole episode on self-harm because I feel like <laughs> there's so much to say on it, but I really feel yeah. like you get caught in this unhealthy way of dealing with it and and you're kind of immediately told, like, stop doing that. Yeah. stop if we can approach it in a way of having kindness for each other there's so much shame around how we feel and when you're struggling let alone if you find a coping mechanism that isn't healthy there's a shame yeah. around that so it's like a double whammy but what is something okay. that you would say to your younger self that you think would really help like something that would have really that mm. you wish someone told you or something you wish you had known um i wish someone told me that it was okay to talk about it like don't be embarrassed that that what you're going through is normal and other people are going through it as well yeah cuz i just felt so alone for so many years like so alone i had i had no like I had nobody to tell um and I didn't understand it so yeah I just I wish someone told me that it was like what I was going through was was normal um what about you yeah probably be the same thing I think just like you are not alone because you know these stats are really hard to digest but if you're a school kid and you're sat in your classroom and feeling rubbish Mm. one in four people in your class are self-harming and yeah 
you're most likely to have a couple of people that have an eating disorder and like other issues as well other mental health issues as well so even though it can feel like no one can understand what you're feeling and that you it's the stats are there yeah and and even though they're hard to digest I think that um just knowing that the numbers and how common it is for people to struggle um can help you feel less alone yeah what what do you like what do you use now as like a coping mechanism like what like what gets you out of a bad day um I meditate a lot I'm I try and meditate every day it's more like five times a week four four times a week (laughs) um but if I'm like this week I've had a a pretty rubbish week I've just scheduled because I work from home I've scheduled lots of phone calls so whilst I've been drawing and working um I've like called uh my best friend that's in Manchester uh, a couple of my guy mates um and that really helps me like get out of my head is just talking about it and me and my friendship group they were all quite like open about us having um like mental health and stuff so yeah I mean it was there was years where we didn't really talk about it but um slowly we got to a place where we can talk about things quite openly so that really helps and like I was feeling rubbish the other day and I spoke to you so it's just about like I'm having such a bad day and just being able to say that um yeah definitely was but it's still a struggle for me like when I said that to you and you said to to call you I was like you said like do you want me to call you I was like no (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like I still find it hard to like let that wall down and to like show vulnerability um but like me even last year wouldn't have been able to message anyone to say like yeah I'm not okay so yeah yeah this is why I love um voice notes because if I'm like you can have a conversation with someone without instantly having their reaction so yeah like whenever I'm having a really bad day I normally just message you now and I'm just like Natalie and I just like send you a voice note and it's a lot easier for me to like do it that way instead of like actually calling you because it's just like oh I don't really want to put that person under like a situation that makes them uncomfortable um but at least like they can like listen back to it and process it again and again before like having a response I guess Okay, to end this episode, we are going to give you some of our favourite things that we've watched this week when we've been in a bad place. So, I love the Mentally Yours podcast. Specifically, they have done an episode on self-harm, which I know I kind of talked about a little bit in this episode. So, if you are someone that struggles with self-harm, definitely listen to that episode. Um, I also really love listening to Stephen Fry. Um, yeah me too he's great isn't he massively like he's just amazing like I think he's just yeah it's just incredible I think he's a really good one to put down for like when you're in a really bad place just go watch YouTube videos of him <laughs> yeah totally and I thought it would it was quite cool because this episode about school it I think it yeah. really helped me when I was 
a kid just seeing someone that is wildly successful and intelligent to that also has their challenges I think is important when you're a young kid to see that you can still like do whatever you want um yeah and then finally I love Dodie's music video uh for her song called Secrets for the Mad which is directed uh by this amazing artist Hannah Jacobs and it's just so beautiful it gives me gives me goosebumps every time and yeah um, I watched it you sent it to me earlier and like it like brought tears to my eyes it's so moving and and like I it's just incredibly moving and it's kind of all illustrated and animated and it's just beautiful use of textures but the like lyrics of the song are just it's kind of like a message from someone who completely understands is talking to someone who's feeling really bad um so yeah those are my three things I yeah I'm gonna go with Stephen Fry as well um I do like to watch um YouTube videos of him when I'm feeling down um amazing yeah this week I have been watching and I've only just got into it as well like the last month um is Taskmaster you know with Greg Davies uh yeah Greg Davies oh I haven't heard of it um so I absolutely love comedy and it's the one thing that I use as like my main coping mechanism like with my mental health and um my favorite comedian James A Castor is on the um season 7 episodes and there's like there's like eight episodes and they all do like different tasks and I just honestly I have never laughed so much in my entire <laughs> life just watching uh Greg Davies and James Acaster together they are yeah they just bring me to like an, a much a better place like I'm yeah that's so nice I'm, I don't even know how to talk about it like I'm stumbling on my words now because like I don't even have the words to describe how much it helps me well because when you when you laugh doesn't dopamine get released it's kind of like exercising yeah. like yeah is is exercising it yeah yeah you get like a chemical gets released in your brain and they say to people yeah. if you like to smile even if it's like a fake smile you like <laughs> feel happier <laughs> yeah so yeah that's that's cool I love comedy when I'm feeling rubbish yeah comedy is definitely my thing um but yeah that I that's uh, those are my things so We've come to the end of the podcast, our first ever one. Um, I'm really happy with how it went. How about you, Natalie? Yeah, I'm really happy. Yeah. And I'm excited for everyone to hear what we have coming up in the next episodes as well. Um, Big things. We'll be putting out other, like, surveys out onto our socials to get you all involved in all the other episodes. So look out for that. And um, you can follow us at Venus Libido and Natalie, Natalie Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E. Oh yeah, spelled B-Y-R-N-E, not like Byrne, B-U-R-N, because I made that mistake and I couldn't <laughs> find you for ages <laughs> when I first started talking to you. I was like, why can't I find her? Well, I used to um, spell Venus Labido. <laughs> oh yeah, I always get that as well. Um <laughs> We hope you enjoyed it and we hope it was helpful. Amazing. We'll put some stuff in the show notes of that we've covered in this episode. Yeah. <laughs>
thank you to Weird Ears for the beautiful music for our podcast. You can follow them on Instagram now at weird underscore ears as they travel the world in their van making music and living the dream. This podcast was produced, written and edited by Venus Libido and Natalie Byrne. If you're worried about your mental health or worried for somebody else, then please call the Samaritans number on definitely need to put like a bit at the end of the podcast of our outtakes it'll oh be so God. funny sorry i lost my train of thought <laughs> no that's cool that's what was cool. i saying i literally just had like a full brain fart i don't like <laughs> everything just vanished in my brain yeah. i can cut that bit out i don't know <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't know if it makes um, sense um i think i'm just trying to process all of this there's so much like yeah yeah and love voice notes that's actually what led us to make this podcast because you kept sending me voice yeah. notes and I was like this oh, yeah. needs to be recorded <laughs> that's true yeah it is. the amount of times I would listen to your voice note again and you know like when you would be like you know f that guy <laughs> don't don't care about that guy I'm like you're right and I would listen to it again and again oh that's so good <laughs>